If you want to open your Bibles to Matthew 5. Yep, yep. If you have to stand up in the middle of the sermon just to stay alert, do that. Will not will not bother me. I may throw stuff at you from up here just to keep you awake, keep you alert. <laughs> now I just want to continue to tie up some things that we've been discussing. Mandy said we've been talking about self righteousness and and uh, we have. I want to continue. I don't feel like it's time to move off that topic yet. You know, a few months back I was asking the Lord, what is it? That's, that's stopping us from this just revival, like continuous revival, not just momentary revival, but where we see the kingdom come. And I felt like this is what it is. I feel like it's self-righteousness. And I was like, well, I don't think we're self-righteous. I wouldn't call the bridge church and the people of the bridge. Like, we don't think we're more holy than other people. And the Lord began to teach me that that's not a full definition of self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is when I think that I can improve myself outside of God. Or when I think I can set the agenda for my day or for my life without God setting the agenda for me. And that's really what self-righteousness comes to. And uh, so, Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you because of Jesus, your son, who came and he spilled his blood and he became a, the, the bridge, the gap between where we were and where we could be. And he made it possible for us to be called sons and daughters. And he made it possible where the yoke of the law that we could not uphold was fulfilled by him at the cross so that we get to take on his yoke, which is easy and light. And I thank you for that. And so, God, we don't want to become like the Galatians who started out in faith and started out by the Spirit and are trying to finish in the flesh what you started. God, I ask today that there will be a spirit of wisdom and revelation here. I ask that you would help us to have attention span to hear what you need us to hear, and that it would be on, fall on good soil that we would water it and it would grow and produce good fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold in our lives. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I want to ask this question just to start. Um, before, if I ask and said, do you think that self-righteousness is an enemy that we need to be aware of um, or something that's an imminent danger, how many of you would have said that it was? After the last few weeks, how many would say it is something we need to watch out for? Because we fall into this trap of thinking because we know something or because we said a prayer that we're okay and that we can manage and steward our lives and we can handle what comes to us. And um, I remember years ago, and as a matter of fact, on uh, Randy Hill's email, everyone he sends out at the bottom, it says this, it says this quote, I heard it from Bill probably 13 or 14 years ago when I first met him. He said this, he said, what you know can keep you from what you need to know if you don't remain a novice. What you know can keep you from what you need to know if you don't remain a novice. That word novice means someone who who is a child, who's hungry to be taught, who's uh, anxious to learn and to be a learner and stay a learner. And so the things that we know can keep us from what we really need to know if we don't stay as, uh, as learners. Um, of the Lord. And so I want to talk about this today. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, that's going to be our text. Matthew 5, verse 3. And you read along with me, or if you know it as we get going, you can finish with me. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Would you say that with me? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's do it one more time. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
What does the poor in spirit mean? It means there's two things that come to mind that it means. Number one, blessed are those who recognize and acknowledge their need for God. Their full reliance is upon God. Those people receive the full kingdom of heaven. The second thing that comes to mind is, blessed are those who are not spiritually arrogant, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. No, I don't pick topics um, that I think, oh, the British church struggles with this, or I, I think someone here is struggling with this right now. I pick stuff that's from where the Lord's dealing with me, talking with me. I pick things that he's walking me through and, and teaching me and walking me through scripture and I'm studying and, and doing my own Bible studies. That's what I preach up here. I don't, I, I don't think that I've ever, other than when we were dealing with like the spirit of Jezebel in that season, I don't think I ever studied to prepare for a message in that way. I study for me. And, and I remember years ago, my dad told me this and I've heard it from tons of ministers that if it feeds me, It'll feed the people. And, and so, um, and I know my, my job is not to feed you. It's my job to equip you so you can feed yourself. Amen? And so, when I, when I feel that it's necessary to speak three weeks in a row on the same topic, I think it's because I, I feel we have targeted our enemy, and I feel like we're driving him back. Because, because then I feel things pop up in the spirit realm that are opposite of, of, the, of the, the word that he's saying. I, f- I feel the, the need to, well, I've been in this a long time, so I kind of know this. I feel those things rise up, and I know when those things rise up, it's because they are fighting for a place of preeminence and for a place of dominance in my life or in the church's culture because they know they're, being, they're losing their grip and their control. And I know with all of my heart that when we break the spirit of self-righteousness, this, this spirit of, of arrogance that comes over us, and it's, it's an arrogance that comes with ignorance. It's not, we're not arrogant and we know it. I'm arrogant and I know it. I'm just like, it's not that. I'm sorry. See, I'm going to have to do that today to keep everyone. It's, it's not that. It's, it's an arrogance of not even knowing. I think that's the worst kind of arrogance. Like, I don't even know that I'm arrogant. I don't even know that I was being self-righteousness, self-righteous or struggling with self-righteousness. And so along with that quote that, that what we know can keep us from what we need to know if we don't remain a novice, it can also say that we don't know what we don't know. How many have ever felt that? Man, I just don't know what I don't know. Like that doesn't, that, that really makes sense, but then it doesn't make sense, right? What do I mean? In Revelation 3, verse 14 through 22, I want to read this as well, and then we'll just get into the condensed version of the word, and then we'll just, con- we'll just go for it. And in Revelation 3, 14 through 22, it says, The angel of the Lord, uh, the angel of the church in Laodicea, write this, The Amen, the faithful, and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, says this, I know your deeds, that you're not hot or cold, and we're saying you're not hot or cold. <laughs> How many are hot? Haha, <laughs> <laughs> perfect time for the scripture today. Not hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. And because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And here's the key part to this passage. Why are they lukewarm? Because of this. Because you say, I am rich, and I have become wealthy, and I don't need anything. <sighs> Whoa. 
Has anyone in this room ever come to a place in your walk with the Lord or your, your relationship with your wife and, and felt like, I'm wealthy, I'm rich, I don't need anything right now? Ooh, it's dangerous. Thanks, babe. It's very dangerous in our walk with the Lord to think, you know, I'm good. I got this. You give us, you give us the spirit without measure and I'm good right now. No, I don't need any more. I'm fine. And he says, when you say that, you're lukewarm. Because blessed are those who, who are, who are uh, poor in spirit. I almost go to hunger and thirst for righteousness. The same, it can go with it too. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The people that say, I don't need anything, we're lukewarm. We're the, it's the worst kind of believer there is. We know it, but we're not hungry for it. We have the answers to the question. People could copy off of our tests and get all the answers right. We could tell everyone because we, we're wealthy. We're rich. We got it. I got all this knowledge. I've got all this revelation. I know God. I can tell you everything you need to know to be a Christian and to have a relationship with God. But I'm not hungry for it for myself. And he says, you say that I, I have become wealthy and I don't need anything. And he says, but this is the truth, right? You don't know that you're wretched. Whoa. Wretched. Ratchet. <laughs> you don't know you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. So we say, oh, I'm good, I've got this. And he says, no, you're naked, you're blind, you're poor, you need something from me. And then he says to this, I advise you to buy gold from me that's been refined in the fire so that you may become rich and buy white garments so that you may clothe yourselves. And that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And that I salve to anoint your eyes so that you can see. And now I just want to dig for a minute, okay? I want to ask this just because I just want to know. How many have been saved or had been in a relationship with God for more than five years? Raise your hand. I'm going to keep it going. How many have been saved or have had a relationship with God for more than 10 years? 15 years? 20 years? That's a rich heritage here in the room. 25 years? Woo! 30 years? 35 years? 40 years? <laughs> And we'll stop there. That's, that's an awesome thing. That's a rich heritage. How many think it's a, a rich heritage to be in community with people that have known the Lord for a long time? There's just something that, that it increases the wealth and it increases the authority and it increases the, the, um, the favor. It does. It increases the favor upon a, a body of people. But how many also know that it comes with a, with a negative side to it if we don't stay poor in spirit? Because we've been in this for so long. Because we've heard this so many times. I, I had, this happens to me all the, times with, all the time with my sons. I'll go over a scripture verse or tell them something that's going on. And they'll be like, oh, we've already heard that story. Have you ever, have you ever heard a sermon and you're like, oh, I've already heard that like 50 times. I could preach that sermon. Right? I'm that way. I'm up here like, man, Jared, you've preached this 50 times. I don't even want to hear you preach it. <laughs> right? We, we have this thing like, oh, we've heard it. Well, because we heard it, we think that we know it. The Bible says that there will be people that are ever hearing, 
but never coming to the full knowledge of. Ever seeing, but never perceiving. And, and how can it be that we can hear the word 5, 10, 15, 20, 40 years of our life over and over, hear the word, hear the word, hear the word, hear the revelation of God, and it not cause us to grow in our hunger and passion. For some reason, we've, we've talked about this so many times, every church needs new Christians because new Christians are the most on fire. And that is true. When, you, when we gave our heart to the Lord, it's like, whoa, I'll do anything for the Lord. I'll sell everything I've got. Uh, Timothy, I'll be circumcised, even the Marty, a grown man. All this, we were talking about in class today. I'll do whatever, right? I'm, I'll give it all up for the Lord. And then what happens? Not for everyone, but typically what we see happen, because we don't remain poor in spirit, is that the scripture Jesus said to the Pharisees, you go over mountain and you go overseas to make disciples. He goes, and then you get them saved and you make them disciples and you make them twice the devil you are. We lose that awe and the wonder of, I need him just as much today, 40 years into this, as I did when I was at rock bottom. Come on, am I telling the truth? I need the Lord now just as much as when I had nothing if you're, if you're wealthy and you're rich and you've got everything seemingly you need, your family's healthy, things are going really well, and you, and you feel any dip in your need for God, be careful. Be careful. Because those who are poor in spirit receive the fullness of the kingdom. Those who aren't poor in spirit, we lose it. We lose hold of it. And I, I just want to challenge us today to, to not let what we know and what we've learned to keep us from what we need to learn. How many like talking to stubborn people? <laughs> How many have ever tried to, to teach somebody something that they were stubborn and they're like, oh, I already know this, I don't need you to tell me, and they just have the attitude. Like, they're not even listening. Like, you're showing them a new program at work or whatever it is, and they're like, oh, I've already got this, I know what I'm doing, and they're not hearing anything you're saying. Isn't it ugly? How many have ever been that person? <laughs> I have. It's ugly, right? Oh, pff, I don't need. Think how ugly that is. That is the condition of a soul that does not recognize their need for God. We may not outwardly show those ugly signs, but that's what's going on inside. And I want to challenge us to not let the rich heritage that we have. I mean, Paul, Mandy just read it. Paul's like, man, I'm the, I'm the Jew of Jews. I've been, I was, you know, circumcised on the eighth day. I know all the word. I've got all this pedigree. He talked about his pedigree of being a, a, a zealous person for the, the cause of Judaism. And he was the top one. But he says, I count this as dung. I count it as a pile of dung. Why? So that I can know Christ and the power of his resurrection and fellowship in his sufferings. Why? He didn't become complacent with what he already knew. You know, in John chapter 8, the, the, the chief priests and the Pharisees, they come out and they find a woman caught in the very act of adultery and they bring her to Jesus and they throw her down and Jesus is riding in the sand. Y'all remember the story? He's riding, he doesn't even look up at him. He's riding in the sand and what do they say to him? The law of Moses says that we're supposed to stone people that do what she was doing. What do you say, Jesus? So what they knew was keeping them from what they needed to know. So what did Jesus say? Everyone knows this, right? Whoever has no sin, cast the first stone. And what did they do? They learned a new lesson. 
They dropped the stones and they walked away. And then Jesus writes back down in the sand. And then he looks at the woman and says, Hey, woman, where are all your accusers? Where'd they all go? And what did she say? They're all gone. I have none. And he goes, Well, then I don't condemn you either. And then he tells her, Go and sin no more. So chapter 8 starts out with the chief priests and the leaders of the law who knew they knew it. They were wanting to stone a woman that they caught in the act of adultery. Fast forward to the end of the chapter, and he's talking to them, and he says, hey, you're ready to stone me. You're ready, you're, you want to, and they want to stone Jesus at the end of the chapter. Why? Verse, uh, there at the end, is, he says, my word has no room inside of you. In other words, what you know now is keeping you from what you need to know. And I, I don't know how else to, to communicate this. I don't know how to break it down. So I'm going to do it this way. Is it possible? I want, I want us to search ourselves today. Is it possible that what we know and the revelation that we've received from the Lord it is keeping us from what He wants to teach us now? Is it possible? Is it possible in our arrogance that we say, oh, we know, we know that. Man, I've... I have found, we, we had a really great discussion the other night with some family members. In my family, we know. That's just like, right, babe? We are the most opinionated. Oh, my gosh. And, and as the Lord's delivering me from it, I'm, I haven't been completely delivered. So as he's delivering me from it, and we sit around, I see how opinionated our family is. And I'm like, oh, my Lord. We are not fun to be with because we think we know everything. We don't even mean to. It's just second nature. We just know. And so we're having the discussion. I was like, you know what? We don't ask really questions. We don't really, when you think you know it, you don't ask questions. We talk. We spit out what we already know. But hungry people ask questions. People that want to learn ask good questions. Jesus asked the best questions, and there is no one more wise than that man. Yet he would ask good questions. He knew everything, but he didn't go around just telling everybody, oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. He would ask questions of people. And I'm learning, Jared, you need to learn to ask more questions. You don't know it all. And what happens when we grow up in a church culture where everything's stagnant and it's written in stone? Well, we don't have sex before marriage. Well, why? Don't ask why. Just don't do it. That's the way I was raised. You just don't do it. We're not going to talk about it. You just don't do it. Well, what, what was everyone doing? What we told them not to do. What we were told not to do. Don't do it. Well, why? Because of this. We weren't taught. We weren't allowed to ask questions. We were told, we, we were made to feel that if you ask questions, you're questioning authority. Now, there is a way of asking questions that is arrogant and you're questioning authority. There is a way to ask a question that, that you're questioning authority. But there is a way to ask questions where you're seeking knowledge that you really want to understand. And what we've done in the church world is we've said, well, let's take, we talked about this in, in the book of Acts. Well, you got to be circumcised. We all got circumcised, you're getting circumcised. We're not going to have that done, and you get out. on. Come on, everyone's going to be circumcised. Well, why? Well, just because they told us to. 
Well, what's the reason? It doesn't matter what the reason is. Just do it. You do it, you can be one of us. If you don't, you can't. And we've got a list of things in the church world today that's just like that. Well, why? Don't ask why. If you ask why, you're rebellious. You're, ask, you're, you're questioning authority. Is that true sometimes? Yeah. We need to check ourselves sometimes because we are asking questions out of rebellion. But then there is a way to be poor in spirit and to ask questions that can give us answers and can teach us principles. Principles. The Bible says in, in Psalm that Israel was familiar with the acts of God. They saw the miracles. They saw the water part. They saw the, the, the pillar of fire in the cloud. They saw the things of God. But it says that Moses knew the ways of God. <laughs> Look, n- being spiritually arrogant is, oh, yeah, God does this, and this is why, and this is this. And we know the acts, the acts of God. We know his hand, what he does with his hands and what he causes and what he makes happen. And and we know, we know, we know. But the Lord wants to take us beyond the acts into why? To the ways of God. Like in Isaiah, he says, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be scarlet, they will be white as snow. What is he saying there? Let's sit down and have a discussion about this. God longs for us to be poor in spirit and recognize that we don't know. <clears throat> and in this discussion, what, what we came to the conclusion is we don't ever really find out what we believe until we're questioned on it. Theories are beautiful on paper. Oh yeah, this is how things work. This is how life works. It looks really pretty on paper. And then you get into real life and it's messy like, what does Mike Tyson say? Every, every boxer has a plan till they get punched in the face. <laughs> That's the way it is. Like, we got it all figured out until life punches us in the face. And we're like, whoa, I don't know. Like, oh, well, you're going through a hard time right now. Just pray through and the Lord will deliver you out of that. And we're speaking from no experience. And then we go through hell. And we're like, what do we do? Help. We need to pray through. But we need to do it ourselves. What I'm saying is, Unless we go through the testing of our faith. Unless we go through where we're questioned. I love, I love it the way kids ask questions. Because it makes you think about it. Well, why is the sky blue? And we give us about two or three answers in is as much science as we've got. And then we don't know, right? But they ask those questions about all kinds of stuff. Because they're childlike. They want to know. It's, they're in a place of wonder. Have we, because we have five years under our belt, or 20 years, or 30, or 40 years under our belt, have we lost the wonder of saying, God, yeah, I know this. I know that you heal. And I know that this, and I know that, and I know this is right, and I know this is wrong. But why? I want to know the why. I want to partake of your kingdom. I want to know the way the kingdom operates. See, the Bible talks a lot in the New Testament that we're alive in a thing called a mystery, The kingdom is a mystery. And the Bible says that he takes the mysteries of the ages and he releases it to us by his spirit. The Holy Spirit is the great teacher. And he's here to show us and teach us the things of God. But when we know, oh, I already know, I know, then we cut ourselves off from continuing to learn and we cut ourselves off from the nourishment that comes from being inquisitive. Everyone's so good? 
And so it's good to ask questions from a right heart. And it's good to go through the exercise of figuring out when am I being stubborn and rebellious and when am I actually asking good questions. Figure it out. Find out. Find out where those boundaries are. Ask questions until you feel like you're being rebellious and and then figure out, whoa, I'm being rebellious. Okay, there's the boundary. I know what it feels like when I'm being rebellious, so I don't want to do that. Find the boundary. Find the lanes. And ask the Lord. This is good. (sighs) Doctrines, theologies, theories, revelations. They look great on paper, but we need to learn what they really mean. And I don't want to be spiritually arrogant and say, well, I already know that. Or someone asks a question, boom, I've got the answer to it. Maybe we do have the, the, the verbal answer to it. Maybe we do. But I want to make sure that my heart understands it. How many have ever answered a question for somebody? And it was, it was the right words, but after you left, you walked away like, yeah, I was right, but why? Like, you're even asking yourself, why, why is that true? Why is that right? That's an invitation from God himself into the wisdom of God. See, God says, if you lack wisdom, what did he say? How do you get wisdom? What was the next word? Everyone say it. Ask. If anyone lacks wisdom, ask of me. Questions. Questions. Father, why is it this way? Tell me your secrets. I think those, when you look through Scripture and you find the great women of God and the great men of God, I think almost every one of them had to have that characteristic where they were poor in spirit and they just wanted to know, God, how, why? I love it when the disciples are with Jesus and he just does something crazy and ridiculous and then he says something crazy and ridiculous and they pull him aside so they're not embarrassed in front of everyone. They go, hey, Jesus, what just happened? <laughs> what, what did you mean by that? And Jesus was, would love to tell them, hey, this is how this works. This is how my kingdom operates. He would tell them parables. Why would he tell them parables? Because it's stirred up inside. Well, why? Why? It's stirred up that childlike, um, uh, I want to know. I want to I ex- have an adventure. I want to explore. And that, that attitude, that spirit of wanting to explore and the adventures of God and the questions and the curiosity that comes from being in relationship with God, can keep us from becoming self-righteous and arrogant. Let's close it up like this. When we do that, when when we know what we know, I know what I know, I just know, then what we end up doing sometimes is when we don't know, we bullcrap our way through answers. We just give an answer. Well, this is why you're going through this struggle, brother. This is what's going on right now. We don't know what we're talking about. We're just talking out of our bottom, right? We don't really know. Hello? And sometimes, well, why did, why did God let this child die so young? Oh, it's because God needed another angel in heaven to sing in his choir. That's the stupidest answer. I'm sorry, ever. He doesn't need another angel in heaven to sing this choir, so he took your child from you. That's just not how God is. But I use that as a ridiculous example of what we do. Well, maybe, maybe your teenager's rebelling because of this. And we give our answer, our opinion. And, and it, who cares if it's the right answer or not? It's the spirit of things that matter. 
We could really hurt people when we answer questions we really don't know the answer to. It would be better for us to say, you know, I don't know. Everyone say that. I don't know. Doesn't that feel good? I love it when my kids start the line of questioning and they're like, hey, dad, blah, blah. I'm like, son, I don't know. Dad doesn't know everything. He thinks he does sometimes. He even acts like he does sometimes. But dad doesn't know. And it's okay to not know. Everyone, it is okay for you to not know the answer. Why? Because the Bible says that he will give us peace that passes all understanding. If we have to think we know the answer to everything, we, <laughs> we rip God off and we rip ourselves off where we don't get to feel the Prince of Peace come. That's better than the answer. That's better than the written answer. Because sometimes if we got the answer to the question, it wouldn't make us feel better. Am I telling the truth? It wouldn't make us feel better to know why this thing happened or that thing happened. But the Prince of Peace that comes always, always comforts us, always makes us feel better. And I don't want us as a church that is very rich in, in history. It's true. We do have a rich history. And everyone, you are continuing to develop your history with God that's valuable. I don't want us to come to the place where we just say, I know, or because I can quote a scripture answer, or because I can quote an example from my past, then I, I actually own the information now, and I can just use it whenever I want. It's God's word. I, yeah, we're supposed to give an account, and we're supposed to preach the gospel, but there, there comes this attitude sometimes where we think, we know, we think it's our word. It's his. It belongs to him. It's his wisdom. It, you know, this hit me, <laughs> it was a year ago. And I was praying, I was declaring over a need that we had in our family. I was just crying and crying out to God and praying and declaring. I was like, Lord, you said this. How many of you have ever prayed like that? Lord, your word says this and your word says that. And Lord, I've experienced this. And it's a good way to pray. And I'm praying all of this and something hit me in the middle of like, I felt like, man, what you just said was really good. That's a good prayer. You know, you ever feel that when you're praying? You're like, ooh, that was a good one. That was a, wah, that was a good prayer. You felt it cut through. And then this, this thing hit me and I just started to weep because I felt it's only true because you said it. Like, it sounds great in my mouth. Like, oh, I love it. How many love it when you say the will of God and it comes out of your mouth? It's just beautiful, right? It's beautiful when you declare the will of God, the word of the Lord. It's so pretty. It's, it's magnificent. But it's only true. And it's only beautiful. And it's only powerful because he said it. Like, I have no ownership of it. I am simply a vessel. We're simply vessels that he pours through us. It doesn't... That doesn't degrade what our call is. It doesn't degrade the value of us being vessels. But what it does is it sets in proper authority. It's Him. It's Him. It's not us. We don't own this. We are stewards. We are partners with Him. And I don't want us to become arrogant in any way. What, we, what you know can keep you from what you need to know if you don't remain a novice. And what, 
We don't know what we don't know. I don't want to be a fool. How many don't want to, you don't want to be a fool, right? A fool is someone who doesn't know that they don't know. That's a fool. They don't even, it's like bliss. They, it doesn't matter. I don't even know that I don't know. I'm just a fool. I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to be arrogant and become foolish because I think I know or because I've been, oh, I'm sixth generation pastor. I know the answer to this. I'm, maybe I do. Maybe I've had some experience. But you know what? It's not mine. It doesn't belong to me. Maybe you have an answer. Maybe you have some experience. Maybe you have some revelation you fought for. But it doesn't belong to you, right? It's his. Is this okay? So we're cutting that self-righteous spirit. We're cutting it off at its knees because we're not going to let it be at the bridge church. Because we've been called by faith not by works. Amen? Last thing, in John 8, you are trying to stone me because my word has created no room inside of you. In other words, what you know is keeping you from what you need to know. I'm the Messiah you've been looking for right here. Jesus is standing right in front of them. He's telling them, I am the one you've been waiting for. Yet, because of what you think you know, you're missing me. You're missing out. So I want to urge you to take some time here in just a second and ask the Lord, am I missing the flashing light answer in front of me because of what I already know? Because of the state and the condition that my mind is already in. So, Father, we love you and I thank you. And I ask you right now that you would search our hearts. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and we ask that you would bring conviction and we ask that you would come and be our teacher today. <laughs> Father, I pray that every one of us would put on humility. Mm. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Father, I ask right now that you would release truth to us. <laughs> we don't throw off what you've taught us. It's valuable. But we will not let it keep us from learning what you want us to learn right now. <laughs> Why don't you uh, ask the Lord to help you put on a cloak of humility? And then a cloak of curiosity. <laughs> yeah, we humble ourselves, Lord. We humble ourselves before you. Father, we ask you to make us, help us be curious. To ask good questions. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> All right, you want to stand, and here's pra something practical you can take with you. Take inventory daily, how many questions you ask people. When's the last time I even asked the question? 
When's the last time I asked a good question instead of just giving my opinion? Amen? Are y'all okay? You made it? I feel like we've been in a sauna. Thank y'all for being troopers. No one came in and walked out. I'm so thankful. I was fully expecting me to be that one person that did it. Well, thank you for staying today. And Father, we just ask that you'd seal what you've done, seal what you're doing. We break the spirit of self-righteousness. We break the spirit of self-righteousness off of our lives right now. We throw off the filthy rags of self-righteousness, and we put on robes of righteousness. We put on humility. We put on curiosity. We put on a learner's hat. <laughs> Take us back to our first love. We don't want to think that we have it all, yet we're blind, wretched, miserable, naked. We buy from you gold and wisdom and robes of righteousness from you. God, I ask that there will be fruit from this in our church, Lord. That as we become humble, as we become people of faith, I pray that there will be fruit that comes from it. Fruits of righteousness. That we would become oaks of righteousness. A planting that displays your splendor, God. That all of us would become that. And I just bless everyone here today. I bless them as they go. I pray they have a great week. I pray that you would have encounters with them throughout the week, that they would walk with you, they would talk with you, that they would ask questions of you like a child. I ask that you bless their families, bless their marriages, their relationships, bless their businesses, God. We ask that you be with them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And we'll close with communion. All right. I totally didn't even see it. It was snake it would have bit me. Babe, will you pray over the communion? Yeah.